you can't think big without and do something big without getting absolutely prepared for that um because you don't know what's going to transpire during the event as you're as you're progressing across the country you have no idea what's going to happen after you get done with this um this adventure this traveling journey and it was going to be something that needed to be well thought of and real really well thought out one more rolling with tay podcast well follow on instagram and twitter at rolling with tay Visit the blog rollingwithtay.wordpress.com for more content and be sure to sign up for the monthly newsletter. And lastly, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Rolling With Tay. This is the Rolling With Tay podcast. I'm your host, Tasia, a.k.a. Tay, and this is episode three. And my guest on this episode is Courtney, a.k.a. the Alkaline Cyclist on IG. Make sure you follow him. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? How's everything? Appreciate you having me on. Oh, of course. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I started following you on IG. Then we met in person at the Giant Ride last year. And we even yeah. rode back uptown together with a few other folks that were going up to the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, yeah, I don't know how I came across your page, but I was like, hmm. Let me follow him. And then I started looking at your uh your your um your post and all the mm-hmm. dope places that you were going. And I'm just like, oh, I'm definitely gonna have to go to some of these spots. And I would hit you up to let you know, like, I'm going to this spot. <laughs> Thanks right. for sharing. Yeah. Nah, definitely. I appreciate that. Um, you know, that I usually post um about the spots that I go to visit. And like to make a little adventure to make my way towards wherever I'm going and take pictures and videos all to influence somebody to make sure that they go and check it out themselves as well. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. Mission accomplished. (laughs) So before we get into the nitty gritty, what bike are you currently riding? Riding a 2020 Madone SL7. Madone SL7. Yes, I have seen that bike in person. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice looking bike you got there. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Trek, Trek is a dope brand. Uh, I, I swear by it. I know um, everybody has their particular brands that they really like. Um, there are quite a few others, but I, I like Trek and I like their colorways. So this one really caught my eye and I just decided to buy it. Yeah. Did you add any customization to it or you just left it as is? Well, everything I kind of added carbon, a carbon seat. I added the actual little like carbon um, bottle cages. What else? Um, Your top of the line GPS. I got a Garmin, but I'm looking to just add a new wheel, new set of wheels, probably in another year or so. Not in a rush. Anything else you add to your bike is more a luxury. You know, you don't really need to add a bunch of stuff onto your bike. It's really all about the the cyclist anyway. 
It's your legs. If you can pedal fast, you're going fast. Well, yes, I, I believe that. I believe For real. that. <laughs> I see some people getting busy on these Walmart bikes, and I'm like, what? Right, that's what I'm saying. Nah, it's really all about the time and what you put in the miles and the time that you put on your bike, and you will assuredly be in better shape on a day to day, every day. You will get better and better, mm-hmm. especially if you ride with better people. Yeah. Yes. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. So, <clears throat> take us to the beginning of your cycling journey. How did you become the alkaline cyclist? How did it all start? Okay, so the name is a name that just kind of the alkaline cyclist is a name that I kind of came across because I follow some of the guidelines. I wouldn't say all. Um of Dr. Sebi's alkaline diet, mm. which is primarily a vegan diet, which focuses on a specific, um, you know, specific foods that are alkaline, alkaline that are electric foods that basically are all about um, empowering the body, empowering your health, and staying focused on what's necessary to put in your body to get the most out of it. And that's the reason why I call myself the alkaline cyclist, uh, because I have been vegan for over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I also love to ride bikes. I started my cycling journey back in 2014, and I've been riding ever since. Nice, nice. Do you remember your first bike? Yeah, my first um, well, my first bike as a kid was actually a BMX, a BMX bike with the rotor and the pegs. Yeah, yeah, I was a little, I was styling when I was a little <laughs> kid. But, uh, you know, that, that was enjoyable, you know, um, something different. But when probably about, I would say maybe around 2010, 2011, I had actually been talking to a friend at that time about getting a bike. I was thinking about, you know, at that time I had rode bikes since I was a little kid mm-hmm. and wanted to kind of really just get back into riding bikes and maybe just do it leisurely from going from point A to point B, but not to the extent, I guess you could say, where I am right now, but just to kind of get around. Um, nothing really for sport or whatever, or fitness, just to really just get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your, do you remember the bike, the first bike you purchased as an adult? The bike that I purchased as an adult back in 2014 was a Trek 1.1. Actually, what they consider a trainer road bike. And it was white with red and black decals on it. It was the perfect bike for the journey that I was actually about to set upon. And um, I thought it was, you know, absolutely beautiful when I saw it, when I walked into this bike shop. That, to be honest with you, it was, I guess it was kind of almost um, inevitable that I was going to end up with a bike, a new bike that was similar to the bike that I had that I purchased as my first bike that I purchased. And the white with the red and the gray, 
I thought it was perfect. And to be honest with you, it was all in honor of the first bike that I had purchased because that bike was ended up getting stolen back in 2017. And that was very sentimental to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I happened to come across this bike when I was just scrolling and looking for a new bike that I knew I was going to be getting. But um, once I saw the colorway, I was not going to let anything hold me back from basically getting this bike. <laughs> I'm sorry that your bike got stolen. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. It, I feel like almost every cyclist or a majority of every, majority of cyclists gets at least one bike stolen in their lifetime. Well, listen, I'm knocking on something because I don't want Poor that to happen. <laughs> nah, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into that. I, I was upset, you know. So you kind of have to move on. But mm-hmm. at that time, I basically was like, okay, I'm gonna have to just think about maybe, you know, all right. At this point, yeah, this person needed it more than I did, and that's hard to even put together in terms of your thought process at that when it initially happens but you know when there's no hope of you getting it back at a certain point you just really have to realize that it was just a right it was just a chapter in your life and you just got to look for move forward and get yourself something new right and and you did right right i made sure i made sure i worked hard saved my coins and got what i wanted that's really what it was there you go as as you should right right (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the amazing adventure that you took. Um, what inspired you to bike across the United States? All right. So at that time, this is 2014 when I decided to leave October 1st. 2014 was when I decided to leave to go off on this journey across the country with my bike. And I would say just around the end of 2013, I was kind of coming to the end of the year and thinking about trying to do something different. I wanted to change to what was going on in my life at the time and looking for uh, something that would really just kind of give me a new perspective on life. Give me a new uh, feeling to grasp onto, a a new energy, a a new focus. And I just started praying. I started meditating. And I would say for a couple of months while I was doing a lot of praying and a lot of meditating, I would say just into 2014, I, I, I would just get this repeated word every time I would pray and every time I would meditate and, you know, repeated a couple words was just give back. And it started to get louder and louder every time I would pray. And every time I would meditate, it was kind of like really just calling me to do something different. And I was thinking about making a trip across the country. I'm a very adventurous person by by heart. Um, I love to travel. And it's just in me to kind of like see something different, something to challenge me. And I just kind of reached out to a friend and 
let them know that I was thinking about making a trip across the country and I wanted to do something for charity, but I didn't have an idea of how I was going to make my way across the country. I didn't want to do it in such a quick fashion um, that it would, you know, basically be me from me to California or me to halfway apart, you know, halfway across the country and make a couple of stops and then be back home within a month. Um, this friend at the time, and he's still good peoples with me. That's my homeboy. That's my peoples. That's my brother. Um, he basically said, yo, why don't you just, why don't you get a bike? So I had to sit on that for like a day and thought about it. And lo and behold, that just kind of put an extra energy in me. Um, to do a ride across the country, mm. that would be unheard of to any of my family and my friends, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, I think for the most part, people would automatically assume that I was crazy if I would do that and then make an announcement um, so early without being prepared to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So you can't think big without and do something big without getting absolutely prepared for that. Um, because you don't know what's going to transpire during the event as you're, as you're progressing across the country. You have no idea what's going to happen after you get done with this, um, this adventure, this traveling journey. And it was going to be something that needed to be well thought of and real really well thought out so it took me a day or two and i kind of wrote down a few bullet points as to what i would really want to do and which was to kind of really just make a change to how people view me as a person Mm -hmm. um me as a black man, because at that particular time, our country was going through a lot of, um, there was a lot of crazy, like high profile events going on at night during our, during the country at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, the gentleman that got, Mike Brown, that that got shot in St. Louis and that made headlines. You already know how that went. And we just had a, uh, uh, we had a black president at the time. So we had a, a lot going on in our country at that time. I felt it was necessary to provide a different view of black men in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to showcase my ability to do multiple things while I was being called to do service, being called for service. You know, I wanted to be open and be challenged. And I just kept asking uh, God for, you know, this path that you're about to lead me on, to be honest with you, with a bike. 
Um, what am I, you know, prepare me in the right way. And I wanted to be organized. I wanted it to be not some flash in the pan. Okay, I'm just going to make this decision in 48 hours and then set off. Mm-hmm. No. So I would say around March, I really kind of got all of this stuff, really all of the information that I can kind of really put together in terms of a ride across the country. So I picked 20 cities. It ended up being 21. If you count all of the ones that I actually specifically identified Mm -hmm. on the list, but I stopped into 20 different charities and that was very necessary for the ride to be accomplished across this country. And I wanted to start by getting myself prepared for this sort of journey. And it wasn't going to be something that I was going to be leaving. Like I said, an idea turns to preparation, which will then lead to the reality of it all becoming something that's going to happen. But you have to put in the work to make all of that happen. So from March all the way until October 1st, I was preparing. I was going to the gym. After I had spoke to my friend, I had reached out to him again. I let him know, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to prepare and make this ride to go across the country. And my lease was up at that time. Let's kind of like pause for a second, because this is a, a lot was really going on at that time with me in terms of where I was living at. Because the apartment where I was living at, my lease was up. So when I decided at that time, okay, I'm going to make this ride across the country. I'm going to need somebody to kind of like stay in my place or just kind of hopefully speak to a family member about being able to stay there for the time being. So my initial thought was, okay, six months. And that's a good enough time frame for me to go from New York all the way to Los Angeles. And once I get to Santa Monica Pier and my journey is over and in six months, I'll be back home and then I can come back with a renewed lease and go forward from there. But the lease wasn't in my name. It was actually in my stepmother's name. So I can't make those sort of decisions. Uh, And there was nobody in my family at that time that needed a place to stay, needed a place to stay. So I had reached out to a friend of mine, but if my stepmother family wasn't really going to be comfortable with somebody that was an outsider necessarily staying in the house, I can understand that. So Mm -hmm. I moved forward. I kept moving forward with the idea that I'm just going to go with this plan and which was to make my way from New York to Los Angeles and stop in the 20 different cities and stop into a charity in each of those cities and work for them for three days and do the most to elevate this charity's grassroots program on a, um, 
I guess on a on a la- larger scale social level on social media. Um, even did interviews with newspapers and television as well. So this was something big that I was going to be prepared for. Um, so I had to move forward regardless of whether the decision on me, my living space was going to change when I got back. I just was going to be going with it. Sometimes you just got to make that leap. Sometimes you got to make that decision to go in the now because what the future holds could be a whole lot brighter. Mm-hmm. The blessings could be a whole lot more fruitful. So I, at that time I was just like, you know what? That's fine. I don't, I'm not going to, the lease, I can't renew the lease right now. There is no option for me in terms of somebody staying there, but that wasn't going to um, deter me from what I was already set out to do and what I deemed to be a purpose, to be honest with you. Um, so with that being said, I literally only told a few people. <laughs> I, only told, I only told a small group of people. And I wanted to keep it that way. And I prefer, and, and I don't, I didn't deem it to be selfish in regards to me only keeping it to my, very close to my vest while I was preparing to get this whole thing done and get started and get it finished without, you know, anything happening. Um, you know, in terms of my health being compromised or me not being able to finish it. You know, from, you know, being on the road for six months from New York to California is no easy feat, Mm -mm. whether you're driving, whether you're even riding a bike or walking or look, some people have walked. And (laughs) so it's not something that you can really just um, explain to a large amount of people you got to keep it to a select few because these select few people are people that you know are going to continue to uplift you from the beginning of this process all the way until it starts and when it ends. So I told my grandmother, I told my mother, I told my closest friend at the time, I told my stepmother, and I and I told my uncle, all right. So my uncle and my mother were going to play the most important part to this journey, because I had to actually I had to have my uncle convince my mother that this thing could be done. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't care how old you are, your mother is going to have an issue with you trying to travel um, alone into spaces where she's never been anywhere nobody has been in our family or just you know at that time going across the country going across the country as a single black male it it's not i wouldn't say was would be the most um smartest idea because mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to come across yeah like i said we had already been dealing with um young black males being shot and killed by, you know, 
you know, white people, cops, and everything the like. So we already know that we deal with that. But like I said, I had to speak to my uncle first and let him know that this wasn't a joke, that this was going to be serious. And I was planning this to get done. And I was going to need his help to get this, um, really get it started and get it finished. And as well as convince my mother that I wanted to get this done and mm -hmm. that this was a part of something that I knew was going to help me to grow as an individual as mm -hmm. a man in this world. So I tell him about it. I give him just a few, you know, like, oh, I, I'm planning on going across the country. I want to ride a bike and I want to do it for charity. I've picked out a couple of cities. I'm going to extend it to probably about 15 to 20. And I'm going to pick a charity in each of those cities. And I'm going to work for a couple of days in those charities. He was like, yo, that's a, that sounds like a great idea. Um, But, you know, your mother is obviously, you know, I'd already kind of like gave her a little bit of a slight information as to what I wanted to do. You know, when you're like kind of having like a, 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 hey, ma, you know, just kind of giving mm -hmm. her updates about what's going on in your life or whatever have you. And, mm -hmm. You know, I kind of touched on the idea of me wanting to do this. But I didn't really go into detail because I wanted to really iron some things out before I really approached her with all of what was necessary for her to feel right by what I was about to do. So after speaking to my uncle and letting him know what I wanted to do and what the plan was, he was like, all right, cool. Um, you know, once you give all of these details to your mother, I'm sure she's going to have her you know, um, you know, she's gonna she's gonna have her, you know, feelings about this not to be too comfortable with you doing this all by yourself because I wasn't gonna have anybody else riding with me. There was mm -hmm. nobody gonna be in a car following me. Um, six months on the road, and it was gonna be rough. It was gonna be serious, but it also needed to be. A, it needed to be a teachable moment for just even not only me, but I think the people around me to learn mm -hmm. more about who I was as an, uh, who I was and where I was in my journey in my life at that time. So my family and my friends were going to learn a lot about me. So after my uncle kind of convinced her of what I really wanted to do, it just kind of like went off from there. So after that was that conversation was kind of solidified and she was comfortable with the idea and the plan that I kind of laid out for her. It was just all about getting the work in. So from there, I basically reached out to, I had come across a website called greatnonprofits.org and they provided me with all of the information that was necessary for me to look up for these charities that I was going to be involved in, that I was going to be working for. All of them had something different in terms of their mission statements that they provided for their local area. And 
I wanted to make sure that I was going to do something that was not that was going to be different at each charity, but provided people insight into not only my capabilities as a person, as a human being to be um, compassionate, to be empathetic of other people's living situations, other people's plight in this world, um, other people's religious beliefs, um, race and everything. You know, I was growing, I was, I was raised basically to, you know, give back and be a, a, a good person since I was a kid. You know, my grandmother, um, worked for a charity back when I was in junior high school and high school. So I was always a, a frequent you know, person over at the Martin Luther King Center in Spring Valley. And I was a part of Jack and Jill, which is Jack and Jill Incorporated is an amazing organization that is for, it started out for single black women and their children to put them into basically a lot of charitable events and get them into mixers and meet you know, um, meet other kids from other parts of the city and state because they had chapters all across New York State. And then you would go to these conferences and all of these kids would influence you to be a better person. Literally, it was one of the best experiences for me as a kid. It taught me to be a giving person, to be very charitable. Um, and, you know, acts of service are an amazing part of your development as a person to become a leader, mm. to become, you know, just an overall, just good person. So these acts of service that I was being led upon basically was necessary for this journey. So after I acquired all the information that I was necessary, that was necessary from greatnonprofits.org and it was the necessary 80-20 that you would expect from charity, charitable organizations, from grassroots organizations, grassroot organizations in their local area. Um, I had wrote each one down. And it was, I went from Philadelphia to Laurel, Maryland, to Morgantown, West Virginia, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, St. Louis, Missouri, Columbus, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri was my halfway point. Mm -hmm. So each one of those cities had an amazing charity that I was that I, I was just absolutely blessed to be a part of. But the blessing started from the beginning from the idea and the thought to get it all put together. Um, from God. And then my mother and my uncle were going to be my, basically my support system, my main support systems for this journey across the country. Mm -hmm. My uncle was basically looking on Google Maps and Google Earth um, and the areas in which I would just gave, basically give him um, ahead of time. So that's when the journey began. So 
I don't want to fast forward so quick. So let's talk about preparation. All right. Do I would end up going to the I ended up going to the gym for t- twice a day in the morning. I would go for about an hour or two hours. I would basically do legs, um, back, abs, um, you know, do your core and then basically ride on the stationary bike. I didn't have my trek until maybe about three weeks or so Mm. before I left on the trip across the country. And that's only because I went to every bike shop that you could imagine <laughs> looking for the right bike. I mean, it, it's not something you can't just pick. You can't go into a bike shop and be like, okay, let me get this. You had to feel like it was the right one. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, it, and it was interesting that I came across it so late within the process because I wasn't even looking for the bike that day. So when I <laughs> I ended up looking for a Planet Fitness that was on Jamaica Avenue in Queens, New York. All right. And I'm a, I'm assuming that this Planet Fitness is already open and I had my membership. I'm going in. I'm about to. I literally got off the train and I'm walking down the street and I see the sign for the Planet Fitness and I look inside the windows and they're still under construction. They're still putting the whole gym together. So, okay, that day was basically scratched and there was no way I was going to be doing any gym time. And because I was going to go from the gym to actually hang out with my uncle to discuss parts of the project and things that I wanted to do and stuff that I needed him um, to help me with, to be honest with you. So as I'm walking down the street and I get right towards and I get right in front of the Planet Fitness, I look down the street and I see the sign of a bike shop. I go right into the bike shop and they had small roller bikes um you know, upon the right side, then it was a doorway to another room where you had your more expensive road bikes. You know, you had your Canyondale, Cannondales, and you had your um, Specialized. And I just saw this white trek. And I just felt it was almost like necessary to. <laughs> grab to get this bike because first of all it was majority it was white mm-hmm. and i'm looking out for my own well-being if i get caught at night riding my bike yeah, why would, bike. why not have a brighter a bright paint job a bike so that if a car flashes their lights boom they see the bike and i felt that was also a good idea you know, something that was also necessary for my own well-being, because I already know you, you're supposed to be, if anything, you're supposed to be riding, defensely riding for the most part, because you got to pay attention to what's going on around you at all times. Mm-hmm. So seeing this white track sitting on the, uh, on the top shelf, 
I asked the, you know, the attendant right there, I asked the salesperson, I was like, how much you want for it? And he said the tag there, I think it said about nine seventy-five plus tax. I said, I'll be back here tomorrow, straight cash. Mm. <laughs> I went right back and he said, No problem. I said, please do not sell this bike. It is absolutely important to me. I kind of gave him an idea of like the reasons why I wanted. I was mm -hmm. like, looking forward to taking this bike um, on a journey. I didn't go into details about, you know, that I'm riding across the country or anything of that sort. But um, I just told him like it was very necessary that if he can hold his bike for tomorrow, I'll be back with, with straight cash. He was like, no problem. Next day, go back. I reached out to my mother, let her know, Mom, I found the bike. I wasn't even looking for the bike that day, but I literally found it. It's the price is such and such. And she was like, okay, no problem. Boom. I go and get the bike the next day. And that kind of just allowed me to exhale a little bit at that point because that was the most important part of this journey. But I had been looking everywhere. I had been going to bike shops in Rockland County. I had been going to bike shops. I, I picked maybe about two or three bike shops in the Bronx, one in two or three in Manhattan. Um, I was in Brooklyn looking at a couple of bike shops. I was looking at Italian bike. I was looking at expensive bikes that I know I wasn't going to be riding. <laughs> All right. You know, so, but it was almost necessary i thought it was almost inevitable for me to kind of come across that bike that day and for me to be at that part in the process to be already my mind is already set and ready to go mm -hmm. and i was basically almost i was pretty much physically ready at that point you know when you're about three to a month away from either a race or um a ride it's about how you finish. So after getting the bike, it was all about making sure I got some roll time outside because like I said, I had already was doing two a days in the gym and I had already got up to about 80 miles on the stationary bike and was going to just going back every day. And there was no like ill effects in terms of fatigue where I was like, all right, I can't do this tomorrow. Like, I'm gonna take an extra, I'm gonna take a day off. Nah, I was going hard every day, making sure that I was gonna get prepared for anything that would actually happen. So it wasn't like no straight flat ride. You already know you could set your, you know, those stationary bikes to do hills and everything else to like. So I was already ready. So when I got the bike and I took it outside, I took it on. 30 mile rides and there was only a couple of them, but I was outside. I made sure that I was riding around and feeling what the streets, you know, what the street felt like riding on this bike. So by the time Oct October 1st came around, I had everything already packed up. I had Gave my couch to to my friend. I had literally <laughs> gave my couch to my friend. 
I gave other furniture to my cousin. I got three older brothers. So I gave one of them, you know, one of them my wardrobe. And um, I was just, at that point, I was already like completing that part of the process of being, okay, I'm moving on from this apartment. What happens when I get back is what's just going to be, you know, I'll I'll make it work because it wasn't like I was going to be, you know, homeless or um, unable to have a bed or a roof over my head when I got back. Um, but it was necessary at that point where it was closure to to the space where I was living in, moving on from it. And that process was already taken care of. And then I was set. I was ready for my journey. My birthday was September 30th. The ride began October 1st. And you already know how social media is, especially on Facebook when it's your birthday. You got a whole bunch of your friends that get notified that it's your birthday and they put post all on your Facebook wall. I replied with the link to my GoFundMe page mm. and told them, thank you. I appreciate you. And I'll see you in six months. I'll be in California. <laughs> I'm nice. on my way to California. So that right there was when I announced it to everybody nice. on social media. But like I said, I had kept it close to my vest up until that point because that was a part of the process that I know I spoke upon. I spoke about when I was on the journey to young kids at elementary. I spoke at a couple of elementary schools. I had spoke at a middle school. I had spoke at a high school. And at the middle school and the high school, I made sure to tell these kids that when it comes across, when it comes to an idea that they feel very strongly about, they have to keep a close circle of people that they tell them about this idea, that they're comfortable with telling this idea. It doesn't have to be everybody because you don't want everybody knowing what your plan is before you get it started. Mm -hmm. Because ideas like, you know, that are very close to you that are very personal to you that are basically your that is your journey that's your purpose could sometimes get distorted from outside energy that might not want you to complete the journey that might feel like they're better suited to do the journey mm -hmm. um and that why you you know who are you to make this decision to do what you and how you got this time that I, I can also <laughs> like seriously writing you know convincing obviously your mother and your uncle and your grandmother yeah you're about to ride across the country and you don't have a you don't have a job at that time like how are you going to get this done in a sense like what mm -hmm. is it? so it was going to create you never know what that type of plan or project is. It's, it's either going to empower people, it's going to motivate people, 
or it's going to make people feel some type of way about you. Like, how do you have this? Why do you have this time? And, you know, um, why was this afforded to you? Mm -hmm. What makes it what makes you so special to um, be allowed to do this or, you know, who are you to be picked to do this or something? You know, these are the things that I'm sure people ask themselves when, you know, if they're not in their right mindset, you know what I mean? If they're not set within their own self, mm -hmm. if they're not um, spiritually grounded, if they're not focused on their own journey, they will question other people's journey. And you don't want that type of energy around what ideas are very personal and very purposeful for you. So exactly. that's the reason why I kept it close. I kept it only five people. And when I announced it, it was already done. It was already etched in stone that I was going to get this, that I was already leaving and that I was going to get it done. I already knew that for a fact that I was going to get it done. I just knew that what I was going to be open to along the journey was what I was going to be. I knew I was going to deal with a lot of obstacles, but I wasn't going to let these obstacles keep me from finishing and getting what needed to be done. Um, so in this process, I had business cards. I had a press release written up. I had sent to each of these charities along the journey. So they were, they knew I was on the way. They were expecting me when I arrived. I, they, they were given like specific days or dates in a sense when I was going to arrive. So it wouldn't affect their work schedule and how they do things. It was basically me being woven into what they were doing already. I said, I didn't want to shake things up. I just wanted to be a part of what they were doing when I showed up into their town and what they were asking me to do. So, like I said, business cards, press release, and I had a box of clothes. The one pair of shoes, a couple of pairs of slacks, a few shirts, a couple of ties, a little cap, um, you know, like a driving cap mm -hmm. and a vest and a blazer. All of that was necessary for what I deem for work attire, because I didn't want to be showing up in your city, in your town and working for the charity and be dressed like I'm ready to go off on a bike ride somewhere. I didn't want to just be there to just be looking like I'm ready to leave. I wanted to show up there and show up in there be, and be prepared to work. So mm -hmm. I was about my business when I showed up there. So I would have to sit down in front of the executive director. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I would say, you know, about two other board members for pretty much the whole ride whenever I showed up to speak to the charity as an intro. And it was basically a, a beautiful introduction. It, 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 they were, they were ecstatic about meeting me. Um, I, I was overjoyed by the welcome that I received by all of the charities that I helped. 
And I just can't thank them enough. The bike was completely prepared, (laughs) I would say. So after I, you know, discussed, okay, before I get to the bike, let me just say the clothes that I had, I put in a box. Like I said, I had a pair of shoes and things of that nature. All of that stuff was put into a box and I actually shipped it to each city. So while I was on my journey across the country, you can't ride a bike with a big with a big box on your back, especially if you got paneers and a duffel bag and a tent and a book bag and everything else already tied down on your bike. So the clothes that I was going to be working in, I basically shipped to myself general delivery by post office. Mm. So Philadelphia, I had my box waiting on me. So I went and picked it up. The thing about general delivery is not every post office actually accepts general delivery. So you have to kind of pinpoint the post office that's going to be close to where you need it to be. And I that was necessary for me. So I just kind of triangulated, I guess, in a sense, the post office where it was going to be in relation to the distance to the charity and to where I was going to be staying at. So the hotel, the post office and the charity were all within riding distance for Mm. me when I got into town and I wouldn't have to be really riding out of my way. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. Did your box always get there on time? It was actually always there when I got there, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I, I, I never had an issue with any of the the uh the deliveries from city to city to be honest with you I, I i did get a couple of extra questions in a couple of towns like yeah what are you doing and, you know asking me for my id and you know you're all the way from new york like what are you doing so you know i would get some of them seemed to be more interrogating mm. um because of the neighborhood we don't have to go into details of that but yeah for the most part, um, when I was asked those questions, I was just overjoyed to kind of just basically explain what I was doing. And it kind of really kind of turned the energy in the room energy, in, mm-hmm. in the room anyway. So it was all positive and good energy that I was giving off. So it was anything that was kind of like bad or anybody trying to do me wrong or any of that nature. I never actually came across any of that, which I'm absolutely I'm I'm, I'm happy about. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to not have dealt with anybody trying to rob me. Mm-hmm. Um, no physical problems in terms of me getting sick or getting hurt, falling off the bike. Up in some sort of place where I was kind of off the beaten path and you needed help you know what i'm saying so all of that never really happened so i was i'm glad none of that negative or really bad stuff happened to me while i was out there so i i I attributed that to basically just really kind of staying focused and staying grounded and really just really meeting a lot of good people along the way Mm -hmm. um you know so when the box would always be there. I would just pick it up and then I would go to the hotel. Um, 
along the journey, I didn't stay in a hotel everywhere. When I was in town, when I was working for a charity, I definitely stayed in a hotel. But I definitely can't. I camped out a couple of times. I had a tent. Mm. I had a tent a couple. I had. I pinched my tent in just outside of Hagerstown, Maryland. And it was so rainy. Oh, <laughs> damn. It literally rained like it, it was <laughs> crazy. It was crazy that that uh, during that time. And then another point where I had uh, pitched my tent there, I had definitely heard every kind of sound that you can think of <laughs> when I was overnight and it kind of like kind of kept me up to be honest with you but um you know so you know that was already uh so that part was already taken care of when I would get to my first stop all right was Philadelphia but my first my first hotel night New Jersey when I left Mm-hmm. So I say that to basically kind of give you an idea of as I was preparing for each day, I would get to my hotel room. I would basically pay for my hotel stay. It was already booked because I would let my mother know, like she was my point person in terms of, okay, this is the hotel that's about 60 or more miles down the road in another town. This is where I want to stay. This is a backup plan, like 30 miles or 40 miles. Um, just in case if something happens, we get to a halfway point to where I'm supposed to be that day. Um, I would give her that information, but I would give her the hotel ahead of time that night so that she can make the reservation for the next day. Mm-hmm. So that was already taken care of. So I had literally had a whole process whenever I got into the hotel. Take care of what my hotel booking. Get up to the hotel, sit down, get something to eat, make sure I, I sat down and had a hearty dinner meal. Um, wrote down how far, basically Google map, how far I was going to be the next day the hotel where I needed to be staying, the backup plan um, in terms of where I was going to be staying. And then also like calculate how many miles and where, if there was like a rest stop or like a, 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 a convenience store, um, things like that, where I can get something to eat. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff was necessary. So it was a, process every night and some nights I would get to bed by 11 12 o'clock some nights I was past past midnight but the process would it would me getting up every morning getting that continental hotel breakfast (laughs) (laughs) that real cheap whatever whatever but I would grab fruits I would you know I would grab an apple I would grab Mm -hmm. a banana I would take that stuff with me um, I would take some oatmeal packets and mm-hmm. I would have my breakfast, you know, a waffle, you know, waffles in them hotels was standard. So you already know. So I'm, I got my breakfast and then I'm leaving by about eight, nine in the morning. And then I'm off on my journey. 
And then I'm off to the next space. I'm off to the next county. I'm, I could tell you my, it was kind of weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of say it was weird, but my sense of smell, my sense of hearing was kind of like a little bit heightened in a sense, a little bit more as I kept going because I had to be more observant of what was going on around me. Mm-hmm. If I was by myself on that trail, on that road, because I was riding along trails, I was riding along old highways, um, you know, all of that stuff where sometimes people weren't at all on them things. By myself, on the road, on this trail, in the middle of nowhere, quiet, and all you can hear is little, you know, little animals scurrying around you. Uh, bees and bugs and everything else. Um, so, were you nervous? I was more. I wouldn't say I was. I was only nervous when at, at a couple of times when I see some mysterious folks on a trail. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> for for your whole journey, were you were you nervous? Like, what was the most challenging part? Um. Not not any fear, but just I would just say I was just more observant when it was more quiet and it was just mm-hmm. me out there. Mm-hmm. So just me being open to okay, anything could happen because you never know um yeah. what could happen. You're out here by yourself, you're in Middle America, riding through Ohio, you're riding through Kansas. Look, these are towns and cities I had never thought about ending up in unless I was and I never heard of some of these cities or whatever have you on. Um, unless I kind of like Googling them on the and seeing them on the Google map and I'm like cutting through these little middle towns, these little towns in middle America. And their lights go out at a particular time and you don't want to be riding in the dark along the long stretch. So all of that stuff, um, I just made sure I just kept my eyes and ears open um, at all times. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're going to come across in parts of this country where you see coyotes and, you know, there's scorpions and stuff like that in Arizona and you got tarantulas and spiders and yeah. All of that stuff is out there in the desert and on these trails, um, big spiders (laughs) and whatever have you. All of that stuff you're going to come across if you happen to. But you just got to be mindful that they are part of nature and you just keep it pushing. You keep moving. Um, But I was prepared for all of that in a sense, and I kept an open mind to it. So I didn't really let it kind of scare me I just let mm-hmm. it kind of like elevate my my understanding of it all and just kept pushing through it like I saw every season while I was riding I remember mm-hmm. I started in October so that's the fall you already know I see the leaves starting to fall mm-hmm. all along the ground the beautiful fall colors I get into the winter in Kansas City and it's snow on the ground it's hot and steamy when I get to Arizona, you know, so it was, it was like springtime in a sense in Oklahoma and, and all of that. And and then by the time I got to 
Phoenix, Arizona, it was the desert. It was hot and dry heat like crazy. So I seen it all. I felt it all. I spoke about it in little captions along mm-hmm. uh, in the pictures that I would post. Um, I cried on the rock on the road. Mm. I, only because it just felt so it felt so right. I think when I, I was feeling something so deep within me to get something done and to do something that was so helpful to others and not only others, but also me as well. Um, because like I said, I was just really out of sorts around the end of the 2013 going into 2014 and trying to figure things out for myself. And I had did some IT work and I had completed some very, um, some extensive jobs and I was paid very well for them. So I had a little bit of extra money, but these contract jobs were few and far between. So I was looking for something that would challenge me and something that would be um, personable to and, and purposeful, you know, something that would be good for not only everybody that, you know, that works within these charities, but, you know, how um, it was going to change me. So when I was out there riding and I would say I would just be thankful. I would say, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. I would just be riding and it would be so quiet and I would just be riding and tears would just be streaming down my face. And then some people would see me when I was riding and I'd be just smiling. And I was just so happy, (laughs) like literally could not be in a better place, to be honest with you, because it felt so right to be doing what I was doing. Um, It felt so right to be giving back, to be thinking of others before myself and my own well-being, Um, trying to raise money. The goal was to raise 20,000, but I only ended up I only ended up raising 5,000 for the charities. So out of the 20 charities, each charity got $200. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the memories were so everlasting. The people I met were absolutely amazing. And it all couldn't have got done without, without God. It couldn't have got done without my mother. It couldn't have got done without my uncle. And my, and, and the will that God instilled in me, the the perseverance, the purpose, the focus that it took to get it done. Um, and to have all of what I had really on me at the time, just being out there on the road by myself, um, to kind of just break it down. It was just an overall amazing journey. And all of the stuff that I acquired along the way were there was no extra clothes. It was just all absolutely good nature. It was mm. good. It was just um, great relationships, good people. The blessings were fruitful um, every day on that journey. Um, my first stop was in Philadelphia. And 
when I got to Philadelphia, to be honest with you, I didn't want to stay in a hotel. But here's the thing. I didn't want to tell my mother that I didn't <laughs> want to stay in my hotel, that I didn't want to stay in a hotel because I wanted to prepare myself for anything and everything. Mm. So here's what I did. I get to Philadelphia and I'm looking for a couple of churches that would possibly be able to, you know, allow me to stay for one night or maybe two nights if they had, you know, uh, um, you know, a room with a bed or whatever have you. And I've, I went to a couple, I reached out to a couple of churches. I called ahead of time and rolled up to one of them and they actually kind of i believe the the gentleman that came to the door he was just basically a part of the he was a part of the congregation so he he just kind of gave me some information about okay maybe you should try this other um place to see about looking for a bed for the night and then he also was like, well, you could see about going to the shelter. Mm-hmm. All right. So here I am thinking about, I reach out to the other, uh, the other church and that was a no-go as well. So they didn't have any option for a bed. And I wasn't going to tell, like I said, I'm this is something that I I don't know if I've told my mother yet. Huh? To be honest with you, this is for real. I, I I ended up actually going into the system. I ended up riding. Uh, I ended up on Broad Street. I ended up going to um, a center where I guess the homeless and less fortunate would go to to see about getting a bed mm-hmm. for the night. And you have to register and be put in the system. All right. So I roll up to this place with my bike, bags all on my back, you know, my book bag on my back. I got the bags all on the bike, everything roll up into this center. And I speak to a girl at the at the desk, at the at the desk right on the left hand side, right when you walk into this side, right when you walk into this door. And she's like, okay, you got to, you know, uh, fill out this information right here and we'll put you on a list and I'll call you back in a little bit. So when I get into this, this waiting area, all right, it's definitely Friday. It's a Friday. Hold on. Because... And it's the end of the, it's the first of the month. So you already, in a sense, everybody is kind of like either they're making a decision on the, you know, whether they want to come in and get a bed for the night mm-hmm. or they got their little bit of money. So they'll probably stay out for a long period of time. So they won't come back and get a bed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So my luck, at that time, I didn't actually get a bed that night. Mm. 
I ended up staying in the waiting room area oh. the whole night. And I was literally up the whole night. I, I was, was up the whole night. I was about right? to say, I know you didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I did not fall asleep. I did not fall asleep. I, I saw in the corner of where this, I saw in the corner of this waiting area, there was a, uh, there was a, a large, you know, one of those large, like, restaurant refrigerators um, with a chain on it. I chained my bike right to the refrigerator. Oh, okay. There you go. And I sat right next. It was, you know, one of those like picnic, you know, how they have the regular table with the bench combo. Mm-hmm. I sat right there next to my bike and I had one eye open the whole night because they had a room in in this next to the waiting area where you had people just basically like sleeping on the floor. They were waiting for a bed to open up. And if you didn't get a bed, you were basically just sleeping there on the floor the whole mm. night. All right. And you had people coming in, in and out of the place all night. So I had basically kind of like really struck up a good conversation with the girl that worked there at that time. And she was like, um, I made sure to put in the notes because, like I said, she put me in the system. <laughs> she so she was like, if you can't get a bed tonight, I'm sure you'll be able to get a bed tomorrow night. So I'm like, all right, no problem. Next day, I I get myself all together or whatever. I grab, you know, I got all my stuff. I head out and I go over to the first charity that was on my let on my list, and that was the Food Trust. And the Food Trust in Philadelphia is a charity that actually um, goes into all of the inner city neighborhoods in Philadelphia that have, you know, unhealthy food products. You know, Mm -hmm. your local bodegas and, you know, corner stores and things of that nature. So they're, they're a charity that were all about replacing or not replacing in a sense, because you can't really just kind of talk to the store owner into just basically changing all of their products. That's just not going to happen. We already know how that go. We all Mm -hmm. know what corner stores and bodegas sell in our neighborhoods in New York City. Um, It's the same in in Philadelphia and and other inner cities across this country. So this charity in particular, their mission statement is about helping to change some of the products that are on these shelves to be healthy food products. So we want to influence these, everybody that lives in the inner city household, um, you know, everybody doesn't have the same economic, you know, background and all of that kind of stuff. But we want everybody, they want everybody, I'm sorry. They want everybody to be afforded healthy meals, healthy products, um, to live a healthy lifestyle like anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, they also have a Thursday night market, if I'm not mistaken, where, um, you know, it's a farmer's market on Thursday nights. Um, I, I think that might have changed since then. Um, obviously, COVID cha- changed a lot for yeah. um, since then, but because that was 2014, 2015. But um, I just felt like being this this being the first charity that I was going to be reaching out to 
Um, and it was all about healthy foods and changing what our young gener younger generations eat. I, I was completely gravitated towards it. So that was, I, I made sure that that was going to be the first place I stopped in. So I went there, um, sat down and spoke to the media director, if I'm not, uh, to be honest with you at the time. Um, she's now since resigned from that post um, and doesn't work there anymore. But she definitely had... Um, you know, she basically outlined some of the things that needed to be done by me at that particular time, which was basically just do um, so social media posts, outline their mission statement and talk about their farmer's market and the opportunities that, you know, the options that they're providing for these kids on in their local um, grocery stores and bodegas and corner stores. And that's where we went with that. So that's all we discussed in that first initial in, uh, introduction. And rode around into particular bike shops in Philadelphia and kind of spoke about and, and stopped in any store that I stopped in just to kind of get a little bit of a understanding of, you know, I'd never really been in Philly like that. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I, I, I couldn't tell you what's what great store, what the good stores were and whatever have you. None of that stuff. It was nothing. I, I, I was completely brand new to Philly in terms of really getting around the ins and outs of it. But um, I made sure that every time I had stopped into place to grab a bike to eat or I was looking for something that was going to help me with my bike, um, you know, because I was still looking for little accessories. Um, you know, things that were just going to help me along the way. So I would talk about the journey. I would talk about the priority. And that's what I stuck to for that particular charity in Philadelphia. And the second night while I was there, I went back to the original um, center where I had signed up to get you know, a place to uh, to get a bed for the evening. So here I am. I get afforded a bed. I'm making my way across town. And I get over to, man, I, I off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what this place, what the name of this, the name of this place was because it was short. <laughs> to be honest with you, my time there was really short. I get to this place. There was a fence to get to the end. When you get to the entrance, there was a fence all the way, way before you get to the front of the building. So I get to the, and there's a line of people right, right when you get to the front of the building, uh, people just basically signing in and or checking in to let them know, like, all right, here you are. Here's your bed. Um, You're in such and such, you know, section or, or room or, and go from there. So I get up to the front. I got my bike right with me. And I let the guy know what I'm doing. He looks in the notes. He sees that I'm, you know, that I'm there for a bed. He sees that I'm there for a bed. And he's like, 
but you can't bring the bike in here. Ooh. Whoa. I'm like, bruh, I'm sure you see it in the notes that the girl <laughs> put in there of what I'm doing that I can't leave this. I This bike is not leaving my sight. This is my first this is my first city. Like it's not, I'm not there's no turning back from here because once I left, I kid you not, when I left and I crossed across I went across the George Washington Bridge and I um I was in Jersey City and I made my way all the way through Princeton and got down to Philadelphia and I was ready. So I there was no turning back. So when he told me, yeah, you can't bring your bike in here, you can stay in here for the night, but you, your bike can't, you can park, you can chain it to the pole right down near the entryway where the fence starts. I was like, bro, yeah, no way I'm parking my bike right out near the fence, like where I'm not even nowhere I can see it. And it's not in my, in my, like nowhere near my grasp at all. So I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving and giving up my bed and going back to that same center and staying a second night in the same space where I stayed la that night before. Literally mm. with my with one eye open and I wanted to kind of give myself a rude awakening to the trip. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, you can anything can happen while you're out here so you got to be prepared to the fact you got to be prepared for anything and be able to accept if accept the fact that you might have to really rough it you know what i'm saying yeah um so i definitely saying in that you know going over to the center and getting put in the system and almost getting the bed for the night in philly or a couple of nights in philly Look, I felt it was almost necessary to kind of really ground myself because not everybody has this opportunity. And I had to show my understanding and respect for people that were living that life also as well. Because mm -hmm. um, not everybody's situation is the same when they end up in that predicament. You know what I'm saying? When they end up homeless. So I felt it was almost empathetic for me to kind of like just stay there for a couple of nights and talk to a couple of people, um, ask them about their stories and, and um, you know, kind of just be a little bit of good, you know, it's just some good energy and some good positive vibe around, you know, and if whoever I was talking to. And... It just continued with that same focus of making sure I get through each day. So put in the most amount of miles from Philadelphia to Maryland, and mm -hmm. it was 101 miles. Mm. And I didn't realize it until I, you know, because I had this app that I was using that was also tracking that I was using to kind of track my miles because for the most part I was just using Google Maps. I would yeah. Google where I needed to get to. The, uh, uh, I would Google a halfway point and then I would have all of that made sure boom, I'm good 
And the only other obstacle in terms of time was when I was crossing through time zones. Mm. Because you're, you know, you're going from Eastern Standard Time to Central Time to Mountain Time to then West Coast Time. All of that along this journey. So, um, you know, making sure that I got what was necessary, you know, being prepared for those long days. But that 101 when I got to Maryland, uh, I was quite surprised. But I was like, yo, that's crazy dope. But yeah, that was that was the longest. That was the most amount of miles that I did in the in, on the trip across the country. Um, Typically, what did you do? Um, like, what do you mean? Um, each day. Oh, okay. All right. Where, in terms of when I was riding? Yeah. Okay. Well, I had kind of really, I, I saw so much, so much beautiful scenery in so many small towns. Um, my halfway point, I would stop and get lunch like around 12, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon check my time, check my, um, check my mileage, check to see how far away I was to my, my uh, final destination. And I would just carry snacks for in-between stops and made sure I ate breakfast in the morning and would set out. So like I said, I would set out about eight, nine o'clock in the morning. I would have my midway point set as a goal and I would push towards that. I would make sure I would push mm. towards that and I would focus on every day's goal like that. I would never, I, I was not thinking of in order for me to get to Morgantown, West Virginia, I need to get to Hagerstown, Maryland. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. It was all about making sure I stayed within the now. So that approach allowed me to focus on what was the amount of miles that I was setting out for that day. I would sit down and have lunch. I would have a snack in between each, you know, after breakfast. And when I got to my final destination, it was pretty much the same repetitive process every evening. Make sure I set my clothes to the side. Like, yo, know, I had to wash certain stuff every now and again. So it was like what I had in my paneers were dry goods like, you know, cookies, um, gummies, um, easy, you know, easy stuff to really grab and snack and chew on, you know, nuts, trail mix, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature. But that was all in one one paneer with all of my athletic stuff that I that I was going to be cycling in. So that would be my tights and um, you know Nike dry fit shirts, mm -hmm. long sleeve, short sleeve hoodie. Um, all of that stuff was in one side, and then the other side it was tools and other, you know, other items that were necessary for the trip where I was going to be having, just in case I had to deal with, you know, a, a flat tire. And that happened quite often, mm. a lot. 
And it did throw me off at a couple of times because I remember when I was on my way to Morgantown, West Virginia, it was ridiculously mount it was mountainous. Um, so that was very tough to be honest with you, but it was the beginning of my journey. So it kind of really set the tone, um, for any really like crazy elevation and, Mm -hmm. um, hilly rides that I was going to be doing going forward because they had dirt roads. Um, now I got a road bike, thin tires, but I rode through all kinds of terrain from dirt, you know, and gravel and little rocks and the little um like shale now shale is like really sharp like the rocks are thinner and they Mm -hmm. kind of really a little bit more sharper so they could really cut your tire and that would cause a whole ton of issues so you really want to deal with all of that but um i had really just kind of rode everything from flat surfaces very smooth to everything that you would take a gravel bike on. But I came across an abandoned bridge Mm. where I had to literally take my bike. I had to hop off the bike because um, I was near. (laughs) Now I'm thinking there, I'm I'm thinking I'm near like some maximum security prison um, where I believe the like like a real fake prison is but i wasn't i was in a town that was kind of like that you know there's towns across this country that have all the same name that have the same name there's a spring valley in california mm-hmm. so um i'm in this particular town and i'm cutting through but before i got to this particular town i had to go across an abandoned bridge now the bridge was probably maybe I would say 50 feet you know above this you know uh, uh, little the Blue River now that I remember it was above this 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 little bridge was above the Blue River and the planks were not all filled in so the first part of the the bridge had the larger planks and that was a little bit easier to work, you know, to make my way across because I could put the bike on one plank and guide it along while my feet were on the other planks and just kind of guiding, guiding along the bridge. But once I got past this little halfway section, the, planks became like as thin as probably maybe two to three inches mm-hmm. at best you know what i mean like literally the length of like a road by tire a little bit wider a little bit wider all right so right then and there you already know and they were like bent and turning because the bridge like i said was abandoned it was broke down um there was no leaves and no um, vegetation on it because it was fall and everything had already been gone. So I was thankful for that because having me thinking about having to troop across that when all of the branches and the leaves and everything is on it, you already know that there was going to be other types of things on there. There were going to be spiders and all kinds of... I didn't even want to think about having to deal with that stuff. 
So I was glad that the bridge was completely cleared of, you know, the, the vegetation wasn't on there and I can just navigate, navigate across the bridge. But I had to put the bike on my right shoulder. So I had all the weight of the bike with the paneers and the tent, the duffel bag, all of it was on my right shoulder. I'm sliding my feet along these little thin planks. My left hand is on that is along the railing so that I don't slip and fall and my bike end up in the river. Um, that wasn't, you know, I wasn't about to let that happen. So I'm sitting there straining with all of this weight on one shoulder. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm, literally my eyes are probably bloodshot and I'm just making my way across this bridge shaking. That was probably the most nervous moment. Oh, no. If you think about if, when you asked me where there was a moment where I was probably nervous or it was the most fearful moment that was that I could tell you was the most nervous moment of that trip because having to navigate across that bridge and there was nobody there at all because I remember navigating, I remember making my way through the park just to get to that point. And it was like a maze to get to that bridge. It was literally a maze just to get to that part and getting through the park and get to that part to cross the bridge and then make my way across the bridge. And then I took a picture, I looked at it, and I'm like, yo, I can't, it's crazy. There's nobody around. Like I, I can yell as loud as can be, and there was nobody that was gonna hear me. Mm-hmm. So um I get past that part and you know, you exhale, you like, yo, okay, that's one major, that was one major obstacle that I had to deal with. There was another time I actually had to go down a road where I guess it was crossing this whole construction. It turned, it went from being there and Google Maps hadn't been updated. (laughs) Oh no, that's crazy. Right. So Google Maps hadn't been updated and the road completely was gone. So I had a construction, um, you know, uh, a fence at the edge. And then there was rocks that led you down where there was no water or anything like that. It was just like basically needed to be completely rebuilt. It was it was a roadway that just needed to be completely rebuilt. But I had to literally slowly make my way down there with my bike and make my way up to the other side of that road, um, past the construction and keep pushing. So there were times where Google Maps re- really kind of created the obstacle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in, ta- in Texas, I remember on my way to um, make my way to Oklahoma City, actually. All right. Um, but first, before I got to Oklahoma City, I was in a small, <laughs> I was in a small town. Uh, I'm sorry, after Oklahoma City, I apologize. After Oklahoma City, I was heading through a small little sliver of Texas. And I was on my way to Amarillo, Texas. But the Google Maps had me going along this trail 
And right when I got to a point where I'm supposed to be continuing on this trail, it was completely blocked by uh, a fence where the land had been bought and it was now considered private. So I would be considered trespassing. If I went mm. beyond the fence, I didn't want to touch the fence because you never know, you know, yeah. they could have had a, you know, people got modern electrocution on their fence and stuff like that to keep bourbon out and whatever. Um, so that I had to actually end up making, and now I'm riding along the interstate. Texas was probably the most craziest ride getting to where I was getting to Amarillo because when I got to Amarillo, um, before I got there, I'm sorry, I had to ride along literally the interstate. So I had trucks whizzing past me going exorbitant, like 80, 80 miles per hour. Like, mm. and, you, and you already know, like when trucks are going at, at, at a ridiculous amount of speed, they kind of pull you along that that's not something you would want to be next to when you're on the road so um it's different when you're on a regular main street and uh, the speed is 35 miles per hour 40 miles per hour 50 miles per hour maybe but when it gets up to 80 miles and 90 yeah that right there could that's a that's a health hazard and there was no trail for me to ride along. So I ended up going into this um, rest stop along the interstate. And I met this sweet couple. <laughs> I met this sweet couple. And they actually gave me a ride. Mm. Or I get, they gave me a ride into the next town so that I can get off, get back on my bike and get back on the trail. Mm, that was nice of them. Word, word. Um, they had a big dog in the trailer and all of that. I just got in there with the bike, with the bike in the trailer and, and the dog, and the dog was just staring at me. And I'm conversing with the husband and the wife, and you know, just having a, <laughs> just talking about, you know, talking about life and and the trip. And um, there was so many. Um, and I can go on and on, but I just want to mention these charities that were exceptional mm -hmm. along the way um and they all deserve their um their just due they all did deserve their praise for outstanding uh mission statements but um the food trust in philadelphia bernadette's house in laurel maryland Ronald McDonald House in Morgantown, West Virginia. Tech Corps is in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I wanted to speak on them real quick. Mm -hmm. Tech Corps is by uh, three black women. And they actually help young, young black men, uh, young black boys and girls and they go into the local area um, elementary schools, too, as well, and help these kids with um, getting involved into the tech world, computers, mm. computer mm. information systems, computer, um, you know, everything from 
you know, phones and mobile and, and scale going into large scale um, coding, as well as also, you know, you can go into um, architecture and things of that nature. Everything, you know, involved with tech and computers. I found that absolutely amazing that um, this charity reached out for the local, reached out to the local kids and they go into these schools and they have classes and they also have after school programs. So the kids come over to the, to the charity and they work on projects there that help elevate them in their own personal uh, growth, as well as, you know, working with the team to build something Um and it's absolutely a beautiful sight to see. Radio Eye is in Lexington, is in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And they are uh, an amazing charity that reaches out to and helps out people who are actually blind. You said right? blind? They're blind. blind. Mm. So they send radios. They have these little radios that they send out to anybody in their local area that have disabilities in terms of sight and they do everything all over the radio. They have book readings. They have um, they have people who take their time out to go to the charity and do audio recordings of the uh, supermarket circulars. Uh, magazine articles is all then recorded in in a studio at the charity. They have like about three to four. They have about six uh, studios, um, six six rooms um, to record anything for particular individuals that are dealing with um, sight disabilities. And I thought it was an amazing um, mission statement for for them to kind of put forward for that local area and that it was hard for me to kind of pass up because i had always been told that you know maybe you should do radio with your voice and i was like i, I don't know that's not something i <laughs> never really wanted to get into but um i've i ended up reading an article on you know in the armed services multiple generations in the armed services and it was around Veterans um, Veterans Day, if I'm not mistaken. And it was perfect. You know, so I ended up reading the article and recording my, you know, having it all in recording. I still have it <laughs> saved up um, somewhere in the stash in my, on, a, on a flash drive somewhere. But, um, you know, just reading that article and providing something different for somebody who's less fortunate than I am mm -hmm. was also monumental in terms of just my own, you know, well-being in, in a sense, just doing something different. So that charity, um, Radio Eye is an absolutely amazing charity and how they provide opportunities for people who have sight disabilities um, so that they could feel like everybody else that they're, you know, given the opportunity that everybody else is given, you know, from supermarket circulars to magazines and everything else. So they get to listen to it all on radio. And, um, 
you know, enjoy the adventure of a story or the intrigue of a, a you know, a, a, a wild story that was in the newspaper about something happening in their local area or across the country. Um, at no point did I feel like I needed to turn back. Mm. I really had the time of my life out there on the road, learning about myself, learning about this country. I was in awe of what I was able to see, the people that I met, the visuals um, along this, the um, along these trails were absolutely stunning. Somebody's like you're riding almost into a space where you see nothing like a mountainside in the off in the distance and you see just and you see the open road um and just the quietness of the open road and that feeling of just overall nothing but love mm-hmm. and just it kept pushing me forward and I just can't take that back. There's no way I could not do it because I would have regretted not doing it. You know what I mean? Because the thought to get it done or get it started was so overwhelming. It kept pushing me to just go give back, go do it, just get it done. And everything that happened along the way to prepare me for all of that, the, the hours in the gym, the times that I went out looking for the, the bike that was going to be, that I was going to take along the journey, the charities that I reached out to, the business cards, a friend of mine the, with the press release that I had mentioned to you earlier. Not until I got to Maryland that my friend reached out to me and I got the press release. Because for the most part, people, when they see something that's not on the regular and your friends and family members that are now like seeing you out on this journey, when you get to Philadelphia, you can always hop on a bus or get on the Amtrak and make your way back to New York. And you're back in New York in three hours, two hours tops. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So... For anybody that you know you live in New York and people that know you, that have known you along your lifetime, you know what I'm saying? They're like, man, I that's that's no that's not easy. And it's not so I wouldn't I I I could not, you know, fathom them not thinking that like, you know what I'm saying. Oh, he ain't gonna make it. He'll be back. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was it was something that obviously came across my mind because how many people you know are gonna do something like this, and it's not something that's that's every day. It was a rare opportunity. It was a, a it was an amazing challenge, and I felt it was going to um, not only change me, but it was also gonna give people insight into who I was at my core and feel like 
this is absolutely amazing. Like, I feel so good out here. I can't see myself turning back. Mm -hmm. So every day was an open openness to an adventure. And I love I'm just I'm just a traveler by spirit and I'm, I'm adventurous by spirit. So having this journey, being able to witness it and be involved in it firsthand and being moved by it was absolutely um, something that it is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And it was, it's something that I, I would want anybody to experience for at least once in their lifetime is take, challenge yourself to do something that is out of what you, that would be what you might, somebody might deem impossible, but you know, you can get it done because you're prepared for the process to get it all done and the fact that it's a purpose because you could live your whole life unfocused and choose a career path and you just make money to pay rent raise a family but you never really experience true fulfillment yeah true fulfillment true purpose to do something being called to do something um and i wouldn't exchange my feelings and my thought about that trip for anything at all um it was absolutely amazing and i'm so thankful of those charities um I had worked with homeless people. I had saved six na- six baby seals. What? Yo, all right. <laughs> wait, so wait, yeah, wait. So, right. Ask so, me a so, question. All right. So I have I have three questions. Right. One, what is one word you would use to describe your journey? Just one. Amazing. Okay. Um, two, would you do a similar journey like this? Like, are are you planning on doing something similar to this in the future? Or is it just one and done? Like, you've done this, and you're <laughs> like, you know what? I don't need to do this again. <laughs> I don't need to do anything like that. Here, I, here's the thing. I would love to do something like this. Maybe not such a large scale, um, because six months on the road is a lot to a lot of time to be dedicating to doing something like this and um it takes a lot out of you it really does but i wouldn't want to do it by myself mm-hmm. i would want to have a group of people along with me for the journey to experience what i would be experiencing you know to share in the experience because that's kind of what I was kind of alluding to in a lot of my captions on the pictures that I would post or the videos that I would post were you have to feel what I'm feeling right now. You have to see to see and feel what I'm feeling right now. Um, it's hard to describe, but if you were here, you would understand where I'm at. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. You would feel it in your heart. You would feel it in your body and your soul would be so appreciative of it all. To be honest with you, from the beginning all the way until the end when you max out and you are done with it and it's going to be absolutely amazing that's why i it, it's just one word and my i had a few friends that were just absolutely in awe of it they reached out to me after the fact they would they talked about they asked me a, a tons of questions um and i was absolutely appreciative of all of the people that donated um mm -hmm. high school friends friends that i met along the way that donated to the journey um a gentleman that helped me um out there on the road one one day where literally the winds were absolutely gusting and pushing me from you know along the road literally i was riding and i was swaying so mm -hmm. This gentleman pulls up next to me in a pickup truck. We, he kind of like asked me a couple of questions about, you know, where I was going, what I was doing. Um, and I went with my gut and I, and, and I, and I say that because some, some of the times out there on that road, I went with my gut and I decided, look, I'm going to just go about it with my, by myself. But there was mm -hmm. also times where I was like, I got to go with my gut and trust that this person is good and accept their charity. So I'm in the middle of the road. He's, he puts, he helps me out. He gives me a, uh, he puts the bike in the back of the, of the, in the back of the cab of the, of the pickup truck. And he dropped me off in my hotel and gives me a handshake. I never took a glance at the money in my pocket when he handed it to me. And I just put it in my pocket. And when I got into the hotel room, I emptied my pockets. That man put $75 in my hand mm. and basically paid for my hotel stay for that night. So wow. I was, like I said, I, I went with my gut at times and I met absolutely really just very beautiful people, beautiful spirit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what, you know, people will make their own um, assumptions about parts of our country and assume that everybody that you come across in these parts of our country, um, that they will turn their you know, turn their back on you, uh, uh, turn, you know, ignore you, won't help you out, won't look out for you, um, based on the color of your skin or whatever have you. Um, and that gentleman and along with a few other people really kind of didn't showcase what people would make assumptions about particular areas of our country or towns or whatever have you. So, you don't want to generalize. And I find that very important. You never generalize groups of people. Um, you have to evaluate each person individually in your relationships as you get to know them, mm -hmm. whether it's a short time or it could be a long period of time. But I went with my gut and I really met some really great people. Um, I worked with some really amazing charities um, and 
after my halfway point, um, you know, I work with the stroke or the stroke organization, um, only because my grandfather actually uh, dealt with a stroke mm. uh, when I was a little kid. So some of these charities were picked because they were um, connected to me in some sort of way. All right. Um, youth entrepreneurs, youth entrepreneurs is in um, Wichita, Kansas. Um, it's an absolutely amazing charity that helps young kids in high school and in junior high school learn how to start up, start their own business, managing business, managing their money, um, and gets them started in that area of their life really early and getting them acclimated so that they are part of this business world um, with a step ahead of some of their peers. And I get gifted this opportunity to sit in with this top 20 team. Wichita State is, was, um, has always been a, has been a great team for a number of years. Um, I had been, I respect a lot of college basketball programs and college football programs across this country. Um, but Wichita State has always been kind of like on the cusp of the top 20. Um, had a great, had, had an amazing coach. He's no longer the coach now at that time. But at that time, when I was sitting in the practice and I'm listening to coach to go through drills and the end of the practice and he's like, I was told a lot about you um, by such – there was a, an assistant coach that knew the woman that was the um, – that worked with the executive director over at Youth Entrepreneurs. And that's how I kind of got um, into the practice. So he's like, I find it amazing what you're doing, very inspiring. And if you could stick around at the end of this practice and talk to the team, I would greatly appreciate it. Don't you know I was so nervous? (laughs) (laughs) I would be too. Yo. So I had never spoken in front of, you know, I had kind of done little speaking engagements in front of small crowds. Nothing like this. Okay. So. And I'm speaking to a Division One basketball team. They worked extremely hard. These players individually worked extremely hard to get to this point anyway. So after practice, the coach, you know, he comes over to me, introduces me to the team, and I just start to talk to them about focus, preparation, purpose, Mm-hmm. and staying within what you can do and what you do best to help your teammate, to help the people that are right with you on this journey. So it was kind of, it, it was so surreal. It was so, um, <laughs> I, I felt I didn't think I was that special. To be honest with you, I didn't think I was that special to be there, but the Mm. moment presented itself for me to be there. And 
that's where I find this trip to be so rewarding in, in so many ways. Um, without like this was a gift along mm-hmm. the journey. So these guys are locked into me. Like, and I'm so I get done with the with this with this small little speech and I shake hands with, you know, and give daps and pounds to everybody on the team and take a picture with them. Mm-hmm. In that picture, you'll see three NBA players. What? Um, one of them, I, I one of them that that young man, I'm sure he I can't remember his name right now, but Ron Baker was one was one of the three. All right. And Ron Baker ended up being drafted by the New York Knicks. Oh, cool. All right. Um, and the other one, Fred Van Fred Van Fleet. So And what team does he play for? He plays for the uh he plays for the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors. You know, when I look back on the picture like a couple years later, you know, when he's in the league and and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. You know, I'm talk I literally spoke to this young man you know what i'm saying and me and ron baker were following each other on instagram before um i changed and you know completely changed my whole ig's uh set up and and everything but um nah me and ron baker been cool like dude is like so i respect i respected the guys in that whole group that team was absolutely amazing um and that was just one of the perks of that trip what is one piece of advice you would give to people who want to embark on a similar journey? Like, what should, if, out of everything, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them? I would say, once it feels right, keep pushing. Mm. When you know what you're being called to do and it feels right and as you're, the idea and the process of it starts to flow, you know it, it's inevitable. Like, it's supposed to get done. So you're on this life, you're in this world and in your life to fulfill a specific purpose to what is catered to your characteristics, what you're good at, what you learn to get good at. And when you prepare for that sort of that project or prepare for that purpose, keep pushing. Don't let anything or anyone who has no experience in challenging themselves, um, taking a leap of faith and taking a chance on their on accomplishing goals like be goal oriented I find it very important to be very goal oriented even if it's the smallest minute one Mm -hmm. the smallest ones will always lead to the bigger one so that's very important to any life process and life focus that you have is all of the little things always amount to the large-scale goal that you want to accomplish. So as you set out on this purpose or project or journey that 
that seems to be calling you every day when you wake up and you're writing down information about it, keep pushing. Don't let nothing hold you back. Find out more information that keeps getting you better at it. That helps you to physically prepare better for it. To helps you that helps you eat better to um, stay higher energy uh, while you're out getting that goal done. Mm -hmm. um, all of that. Stay focused. Stay disciplined. There you go. Murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're about to wrap up in a little bit, but any final words you want to talk about regarding your trip, your journey, this adventure that you took? I just, you know, um, I think my decision to do that, I wouldn't have been able to experience these opportunities unless I had really planned a vacation to go to these, uh, uh, you know, a city like Oklahoma City was not, is not a place where I had a travel destination to. But mm -hmm. I am absolutely glad that I was able to make a trip into Oklahoma City because of the people that I met, the charity that was there, and the opportunity to um, really kind of really just experience so many different things. The releasing baby seals, I don't know, <laughs> like... Look, being able to work with a charity that released, nursed baby seals back to health and then set them free back into the ocean and witnessing that whole process and that whole event in person um, was absolutely amazing. It was, I, I <laughs> you know, and getting on my bike what started is what started the whole process. Mm -hmm. Getting on your bike could lead to so many journeys, whether it be something small that can touch you, or it could be something where it could take days and weeks or months to accomplish that will touch you for a lifetime. Um, and cycling has brought me so many benefits and so many blessings. I, I am absolutely thankful for it. Me and you met because of cycling mm -hmm. um you started following me on instagram but i believe we were following each other on facebook first in oh our yeah it might have yep mm -hmm. in the black cyclist group mm -hmm. um and you know you you meet so many great people through the opportunity of cycling through the sport of cycling that mm -hmm. come from so many different walks of life and I'm so thankful that the journey was allowed me to be open to these, to these people. And it's kind of really led me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. It's led me to what I do now. Um, you know, meet people from different communities across, you know, the tri-state area or when I go into another city or country and I ride my bike in either a race for a leisure ride or um, or it's something very competitive. But I love traveling and this bike has 
and the bike is a tool are redefining cycling with the hour within our community um you know some seeing so many people of color cycling now back when i was out there on that road i would i kid you not everybody that i ran into that was like that i told or you know some people that asked me about this in, in corner stores um gas stations and stuff they was like man you better than me <laughs> you got it you know, I I usually would respond to them or reply to them was, I'm out here so that you ain't got to do it. So it's all good. You know, I'm appreciating this whole process. I'm appreciating this journey. And cycling after getting back from that trip across the country, it led me to um, getting involved in races and other community events that were um, and charities that also were deep were connected to me also as well from Alzheimer's and the stroke organization as well as the lupus organization you know all of those um, ailments that affect our people mm-hmm. um, and me per- have affected me personally a family member my sister my grandmother my grandfather um you know i think of them when i'm riding for those particular events because that's my way of um displaying displaying my love Mm -hmm. and it's a part of me it's a part of how i give back and when covid hit um a lot of black cycling groups popped up and exploded the whole cycling market place by 500%, if I'm not mistaken, and probably even more. But we completely changed the game in cycling. And I'm just absolutely thankful for all of these groups that provide um, a safe space for people of color to ride and also to meet other people from different walks of life. And it's it's been absolutely dope. So we have Black Watt Cycling from and Good Co Bike Club, um, Black Girls Do Bike, um, KRT and QRT, Night Riders BK. Um, what else? What else? There's so many more BX Girl Bike Gang. Um, and I apologize if I miss anybody, but. All of these groups, and there's so many other groups. There's other groups in Jersey, too, as well. Um, so all of these groups that we all started following um, when we got into cycling and took it up not only as a hobby, but it's also a part of our passion, you know, when you get involved in this stuff. So, you know, when me and you started following each other and you were liking some of the posts that I would um, put up on Facebook and, and in the Facebook group and then and on IG, um, it was to influence others to experience the things that I've experienced, you know, um, from racing in Bali to racing in France and riding my bike around Germany and Frankfurt, riding my, uh, you know, racing in, in, in Michigan and Ann Arbor, um, after 
not racing and riding for almost not riding or racing really um, for almost two years during the whole COVID. And my first race, I placed fourth in my age group. So um, I got involved in this sport for so many benefits because for uh, first of all, for the spiritual and mental benefits of cycling, it's very therapeutic. Um, and I, I would, I would want anybody to kind of take a chance at cycling if they've never done it before, even if you go out for a, for a short ride, um, to try to get used to getting acclimated to pedaling and riding your bike often or whatever have you, even if, if you haven't in a long time, but cycling is very therapeutic and the mental, the mental benefits of cycling um are absolutely dope as well as the physics you know from head to toe you basically get a, a full body workout um and if your bike is fit the right way if you have a good bike fit you already know you're not going to deal with knee issues you're not going to deal with lower back issues because you've taken the time to invest in yourself and invest in this bike and you're going to be getting a lot out of it. It lowers your, um, you know, the percentage of you getting in, you know, dealing with certain ailments like strokes and heart disease and high blood pressure and all of that stuff. But you already know that couple you couple good fitness with a good diet. That helps everything go a long way. But. Mm-hmm. You know, these things that I've just kind of like been afforded to me through cycling um, and the companies that I've worked along with and the brand that I ride, you know, I'm a rock with Trek, but, you know, other brands are dope. I I love Kalinago. I I love, um, you know, Specialized and Cannondale's, all of those bikes very special and really dope bikes but i love my track and i love my madone um, <laughs> for real oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you yeah. have any rides or races that are coming up this season what's on your calendar well um i every year i always do the five borough bike tour in honor of my grandmother um you know, when my grandmother moved from the South, they moved up to Staten Island. So I always do the Fibro bike tour because the last stop is in Staten Island. And I ride with a jersey for the Alzheimer's, um, Athletes Against Alzheimer's charity. And um, Caring Kind is actually the name of them. I, I apologize. So Caring Kind, Athletes to End Alzheimer's is the charity. Um, I have a couple of their jerseys and last year I didn't ride with them per se, but I did rock their Jersey, but I will be riding this year, still rocking their Jersey. And in honor of my um, grandmother, um, because she dealt with Alzheimer's and that's just the way for me to honor her as well. Absolutely amazing, dope, beautiful. I love my grandmother and, this is just one way in which I honor her. 
Uh, what else? I will also do a couple of semi-pro races, mm. which kind of like build as um, be a pro for a day um, mm-hmm. under the umbrella of uh, GFNY, which is New York. They have the New York one. So this year I'm going to do the New York one. I didn't do it last year. The last time I did that one, I actually only did it once. I And that was in 2017. Um, that was my first um, race, to be honest with you. And yeah, it kicked my butt. But I got it finished. And um, so I'm going to do a couple of GFNYs this year. I love traveling um, for these races. They're located have been quite intriguing the last couple of years to me. So, you know, something like Ecuador mm. or, um, you know, maybe in Europe, I wouldn't cross over all the way across the world to do another Bali r- race again. Um, that was just so humid and hot and challenging. I would definitely do it again, but um, not something I would do uh what else and more community events with mm-hmm. with these uh with the local organizations um you know one i particularly ride with more often than not um is bsg which is blood blood sweat and gears mm-hmm. they are um under the the krt qrt um cycling umbrella out of philadelphia and BSG is operates out of Harlem, but they do everything from little leisure rides to social rides. And, um, you know, some of their riders get involved with racing, too, as well. So it's a mm-hmm. nice little mix of people um, in that crew. But, um, you know, just getting more involved in the community and um, expanding on benefits of cycling um and talking about that in more of my posts um going forward my diet as well mm-hmm. because i'm vegan um mm-hmm. i've been asked plenty of questions about how do i stay high energy while i'm out on a long um road trip um you know so from food prep and everything I'll get into all of that for like rides, own little stuff. And there'll be little bites uh, that'll be good for other people to kind of follow, you know, follow along the little, you know, ingredients and make something for themselves. If they want to make some vegan, um, little vegan bites for high energy on their roads, on their road trips. Um, And that's, yeah, yeah. A couple of races, a couple of leisure rides, but, I don't really give my whole calendar of things because I know that there's going to be some stuff that are going to pop up that I'm going to definitely want to do. Um, But also, oh, okay. One love in Atlanta is definitely one that I want to do this year as well. So, and I I would love to do the one in Jamaica too. I would love to be involved in a ride in Jamaica. Um, If that could happen this year, that would be dope. But yeah. Nice. That's a that's a dope calendar you got there. You got 
she got some races and local events and out of state events. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I love traveling. Like seriously, like trying to take it. The only thing is, see, I don't want to take my bike to every traveling event because I think it's important that if you network with bike shops um across the country. If you're a very um focused rider, racer, uh, and you know, you don't always have to and you're always looking for a new challenge, you don't always have to take your bike. Mm-hmm. All right. You can reach out to a local bike shop that's going to be in the in the area of where you're going to be traveling to and tell them why why you're there. Um, and you can hopefully they they might sponsor you a bike or they might hook you up with a bike that you can compete in. And that's what kind of happened in Bali. When I got there, I didn't travel with my bike at that time. To be honest with you, that was just before COVID started. And I had told you prior to this that, to be honest with you, I had got my bike stolen. So for a couple of years, I had basically for races and rides that I was doing, I was actually just renting a bike. I was just I would train and ride and and do all that stuff in between. And then when the race would happen, I would be in another. Um, I've done a I've uh, done a bike and swim in Maryland, but mm-hmm. I didn't have a bike at the time. So I ended up renting a bike and taking it with me to Maryland um, on the train on Amtrak. Um, so you can, you have options and Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to establish relationships, uh, um, in bike shops with other bike crews across the country. So when you show up in their particular town or particular city, they can welcome you with open arms and put you onto rides, um, introduce you to the local food, um, restaurants and all of that kind of stuff so that the community grows. Mm-hmm. and um yeah bali was dope because of that whole fact i reached out to a bike shop while i was there and they hooked me up with a really dope bike um to ride around in and i didn't have to have any anxiety about traveling with my traveling with my bike at the time mm-hmm. um so you have to be very conscious of that like depending on where you're going and you're traveling with your bike or you're traveling to a particular city, country, um, and you want to ride there, I would do a whole lot of research into whether it would be economical to take your bike or it would be better for you to just get one when you're there yeah. for the for the event. You got to weigh out all of those options. So those are the kind of things that I... I do when I'm preparing for a race or a ride in another city um, or another country. I look at all of my options and I make the most of the trip. It's not just going to be about the race. I'm going there to have a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to go enjoy the food. I'm going to go enjoy the people, the culture and go f- and and I want to be able to take enough pictures and videos so it's like as if you're, especially if I'm riding somewhere and I take a recording of the ride and Mm -hmm. I want you to feel like you're actually riding the bike. Mm 
Yeah. I want you to feel like you're there. So um, I think it's necessary that we, you know, when you do follow these cycling IG um, clubs and um, these pages of people that love cycling and they're racing and they're in different cities, pay attention to, um, you know, the little stuff. Ask them about how they prepared to get to that point. All of that stuff is nothing but quality insight. It's networking and it builds a family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you and I'm with you on going to these places and, and, and not only to ride, but to enjoy the place and to, like you said, the people, the food, the weather, the whole mm-hmm. environment, you know what I'm saying? So I think that is, I, I'm with you. I like yeah. I travel in a minute. <laughs> yeah. People, yo, I've seen you've taken some dope shots and like seriously the the um you know the camping out like you can literally just take your bike on a camping trip mm-hmm. and spend a couple of days out of town in a in a nice in a cabin or pitch a tent and go for a ride in the local area. And write about it, post about it if you want. But those memories and living in that moment, nobody could take that away from you. Um, and you've had some, you posted some really dope stuff. Camping, um, some some skate rides and marathon and marathons that things that I never was looking at or paying attention to, but they're intriguing to me. They're motivating mm-hmm. to me in a sense of, okay, she's she's there. And I, I want to check out what she just did. I want to check out the place that she saw because that's intriguing to me. So, um, yeah, it's – I think that social media from that aspect of how me and you ended up meeting and mm-hmm. how these groups connect and um, how we all kind of engage and push each other um, – it's really dope. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just want to thank you again for sharing your story um, and giving us thank an insight. So I of appreciate course, it. Of course, giving us an insight on, on like what it took to prepare for that, um, that, that journey, because I can only imagine. And, and even like the little things that I plan, I I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about from telling, not not telling everybody your business. Of course, you got to tell your mother and, your, you know, your close friends and family, but everyone else, you don't want all that. Um, just their, their maybe insecurities or maybe their feeling towards whatever you're about to do, um, the lack of knowledge. And sometimes it's not coming from a bad place. It's just they don't know. So when you say you're going to, ride across the country to volunteer for 20 different charities right. they, they, they may say what do you talk like that's crazy uh, right. and, and until you do it and it's done and they're like yo that was that's amazing you know right. so I always I I tread lightly with certain people because I just I I totally understand what yeah. you're talking about you're going where you're going where to do right. a skate marathon in right. Minnesota, like what they do those things. Like people looked at me like I was 
crazy. And I'm just like, yes, th- this is a thing. There are people out there. There are other black people doing it. Like, you know, I have to tell them that because they just sometimes they just can't. Right. They just can't, you know, process it until it's done. And then they're still kind of like, so you did this? Right. <laughs> but. <laughs> right. Right. I it's, totally get what you're saying. I totally get it. It's it's an interesting, um, you know, when you get back from something like that, when you do something different that the people that are around you that know you for a majority of your lifetime and the people in your neighborhood, you know, they see you and you go off and do something different that they've never done before. The first thing, yeah, they're going to be like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's usually the first word that comes out of their mouth. But at the same time, for the most part, they're not saying it's crazy because like, yo, nah, I would never. It's almost crazy in a sense to them that it's crazy dope because it's intriguing to them. It's something that they didn't think about doing, but it's completely motivating and at the same time exciting to see somebody that they know do something that is not common that you know you Mm -hmm. told me that my ride across the country reminded you of a gentleman that did it years ago and when you put together ideas for something like this that are outside of your, you know, most people's realm of understanding. Yeah, it is different. And Mm. different is not always bad or different is not always weird. Different can be amazing and dope and intriguing and motivation, motivational, everything. So yeah, Mm. continue. Again, I appreciate you. And um, yeah, it was great talking to you. And then we'll we'll chop it up again. Yes, yeah. I know you have more stories. I want to hear about racing. I want to hear about all that stuff. So we'll we'll reconvene on another on another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Look, I'm if you're willing to listen, I will greatly tell you a story about a ride from one particular town to the next. Like I said, I have notes and I have receipts like looking back into a scrapbook and the pictures and the posts are on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had uh, um, I had a um, a Tumblr page with all of the pics from the journey too as well. But um, if you have a, if anybody has any questions um about the journey as well about particular rides along uh charities that I worked with feel free they can feel free to ask me reach out to me for real all right dope 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 that's what's up all right thanks, thanks again this is the rolling with Tay podcast i'm your host Tasia aka Tay thanks for listening